Stand by for the hook. Welcome to The Hook with Katie Kempner, Vice President of Agency Communications at Crisp and Porter and Boguski, the most awarded advertising agency in the world. Every Tuesday at the intersection of advertising and PR, The Hook, where Katie talks with advertising visionaries, top journalists, cutting-edge creatives, authors, and PR gurus. Hear what these industry insiders have to say about the changing landscape of advertising and PR today. Now here's your host, Katie Kempner. Katie Kempner. Today is Tuesday, December 11th, and you are listening to The Hook, where each week I talk to advertising, branding, and public relations insiders who are both leading and covering the industry. My hope is that you will find inspiration and new ideas by listening to these thought leaders and, of course, have some fun along the way. So my guest today is somebody that I've known for many years. She is one of the most interesting and unique people I know. She goes with her own flow. <laughs> and I would like to say hello to Becky Ebenkamp, West Coast Editor of Brand Week. Hi, Becky. Hi, Katie. How are you doing? Good. How are you today? I'm good, though. I didn't know that my role is to inspire people. I feel like the Dalai Lama or something. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Choose your words carefully. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but definitely speak because it's radio, so otherwise it would be really boring. <laughs> okay. Okay. I can just sing or something. Well. <laughs> Yes, you could sing. Feel free. Okay. Feel free to break into song whenever it uh, whenever to okay. suit you. I, do, I often do. So I thought maybe your beats changed a little bit, and I thought that um, what you cover changes a little. Maybe you could talk a little bit about what it is now and uh, what you're up to. Okay. Well, just um, looking looking back, a lot of PR people know me as the entertainment reporter for Brand Week. Um, no more. That is no more. Um, and. Probably the most interesting thing that I'm working on now is a blog called The X-Files. That's E-X uh, as an experiential marketing. And I also write a lot of the more, um, I guess, featurey, fun sections of Brand Week. I do a design page. Mm-hmm. I do brands on the verge, uh, out of the box, um, short takes, which is our little kind of look at cheeky marketing things. Um, so basically I'm doing everything but news. So don't pitch me news. <laughs> Don't pitch you news. You don't want to hear news. No news for Becky. No news is good news. Actually, if it's a, if it's experiential or guerrilla marketing news, I would like to hear about it. I take that back. <laughs> but but what do you really want to know about? Like what 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 is it that people should be pegging straight for you? Well, you know, for the for the blog, what I'm really interested in um, is well, it sounds cliche, but creating a conversation. I want that type of blog where other people do a lot of the work for me, where you know they chime in and say I agree with you or that's completely BS. And here's a new you know here's a new campaign I saw. I took a picture with my camera phone. What is this? You know, there's so many interesting street campaigns and just street art, and you know, a lot of marketers try to go for this very mysterious you know, teaser sort of campaign. And I'm just hoping that some of my readers, uh, if I get any, will will be my eyes and ears, you know, especially those in New York. Uh, I'm in Los Angeles, so uh, I don't see quite as much of the the outdoor marketing. I'm in a pretty big market, obviously, but in New York, it's just everywhere. So that's the kind of stuff I'm looking to hear tips. And I saw this on the way to work today, or my agency created this campaign for, you know, Coca-Cola. But now on your blog, so it's actually going to be a conversation where other people are writing in and you're answering them? Well, what I'm hoping is that they will, that, you know, I'll be writing a blog and I'll hopefully be putting some bait out there where Mm -hmm. they will answer me and they will, 
not only comment on the blog and send their own theories and conclusions and things like that, but as well as um, as emailing me, you know, it'll be an idea for, you know, a chance for them to email me tips and things. And, you know, then, of course, I will reference them if I do a story on what they mention and link to their webpage and that sort of thing. This really is a conversation if you're, uh, you know, allowing your readers to, to interact with you and, and, you know, taking your cues from them. Well, that's what I'm hoping it'll be because, um, mm-hmm. you know, I... I don't want anybody to talk at me for, you know, 20 minutes a day. You know, I, you know, it's more interesting. And because so much of this stuff is up for interpretation, I really think the term experiential is overused. And mm-hmm. people have different definitions of it. And, you know, at least, um, you know, maybe we can come to some consensus on what exactly it is. Or if not, you know, at least, um, you know, show a good representation of what's out there. Okay, and just to clarify one thing, for PR people that want to pitch you things, not, you know, like being pitching you right on your blog, they can contact you, and then if it's something that's interesting to you, you'll put it up on your blog. Yeah, or I'll, I'll probably follow up with them, um, find out uh, what, what it is, if it's one of the, you know, if it's their client's work, um, probably do a five-minute interview, but, um, you know, looking for photos and you know, I guess I'll be probably writing about things before they happen as well as showing pictures after they happen because I think visuals are really important for this type of marketing, obviously. <laughs> obviously, of course. Now, are you looking for the scoop on things? I mean, you said you don't need news, so are you, are you, but at the same time, are you looking for like the exclusive and the scoop or is that less important for you? Yeah, I lied. I, I'm always looking for that, for this type <laughs> of, you know, for specifically for experiential, guerrilla, viral, ambient, whatever you want to call, you know, your non-traditional marketing. Um, I would love to get news tips on stuff like that and be able to break something. And then again, you know, a couple days later, a couple weeks later, when the program's been implemented, I might be able to run a snapshot of what it looked like. Especially if you had some results to go along with it. That's always nice, yeah. Results are always nice. But now, you and I had talked just a little bit yesterday about something that I've been thinking a lot about blogging mm-hmm. in general. Because what, what I had said to you, to you yesterday in our conversation was that blogging gives you a chance, you as a journalist, to, to have much more of your own personal views infused in the story. And, I mean, for a place, for a publication like Brand Week or other places, um, you know, Bert Helm from Business Week, John Fine from Business Week, they've both mm-hmm. been on and talked about their blogs. And it really, it gives you a, you're, you're behind a very strong publication, and yet you're able to give more of your own personal, you know, views on something, which is mm-hmm. blog as opposed to, you know, in the magazine. And I'm just wondering, how do you think this will affect your coverage? And also, this is a sort of more broad question, how do you think it's going to change journalism overall, if, if it will? Mm-hmm. Well, first, I'm hoping I won't stink the joint up. <laughs> you know, hopefully, uh, my blog will have enough integrity that it will still be, you know, accurate, and you know, I'll be using all the reporting skills I've learned in school and at Brand Week to um, to run factual information. Um, when I do run stuff that's opinion, it will be definitely um, noted as such, and that sort of thing. Um, I think it's a really interesting area with um, you know traditional publications or media companies and what responsibility they have um, legally, you know, when they have somebody blogging online, I guess that's a little redundant, but when someone's blogging for that magazine, they represent the magazine, but it really is more of their own opinion. And in American journalism, that's, uh, you know, it's, 
you know, you're supposed to be unbiased when that's considered, you know, journalism reporting. And, you know, my theory is everybody has their bias, whether, you know, and it probably comes out in a story, whether you intend it to or not. You always have a perspective. You're coming in to something. You're not an automatron. Uh, so it's... Um, you know, it's really hard to, to really write something that's unbiased. And I think in other cultures, uh, journalists are more expected to say more what their personal beliefs are in stories because, you know, it's, it's out there already then, and then you can draw your own conclusions when you read what they've written. So, like I said, just to back up a little bit, in the U.S., um, you know, it's different. It's supposed to be unbiased, and I think that's where the real, you know, difference comes in writing a blog, which is definitely more more personal, at least, um, you know, from my point of view. Well, the Internet has changed so many different things. I mean, you have, you have an Internet radio show yourself, don't you? I sure do. Would you like um, to talk about it? It's on luxuriamusic.com. Uh, that's L-U-X-U-R-I-A-M-U-S-I-C.com. It, uh, my show is called Bubblegum and Other Delights. It has nothing to do with marketing, and uh, it's about bubblegum music from the late 60s and early 70s and any other period. Um, I play the banana splits <laughs> and stuff like that. Well, I mean, it all seems to tie together, though. I mean, you're a real, you know, you're very interested in, in pop culture. Well, I shouldn't tell you what you're interested in. <laughs> what am I talking about? But I think, yeah, I, think I mean, you're a person that has so many um, different interests, and, and a lot of them are, are you know, circling around different periods of time in pop culture. I mean, that must really help you with the way that you see what you're, what's happening, you know, and you, 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 the way you do your job. I think so. Um, when I first took my job at Brand Week, I was uh, like an ad critic. I, I write about TV commercials, and I tried to think of them in a the way as advertising as being a part of pop culture, you know. I mean, I... You know, traditionally, I, I tend to like things from the 60s and the 70s and earlier. I like looking at vintage clips, vintage clothes, vintage music, all that type of thing. But um, so I, you know, I try to put advertising within that same sort of content, like TV content, because we, we all remember, you know, jingles from our youth or that sort of thing. So, you know, rather than thinking of it as business, I try to think of it from a consumer angle as, you know, me being the consumer and here's what I like about this ad. Here's what I don't. I don't know all the particulars that the agency and the brand came up with to come up with this commercial. All I know is what I take from it. You know, as somebody who's a casual TV watcher, maybe not paying 100% attention to a commercial. And so I really wrote off the cuff with my opinions. And um, so I think, yeah, it does sort of come full circle with, with marketing and all that kind of stuff. Well, do you have any opinions on sort of the future of Internet radio? I mean, we're on an Internet radio show. You have one. You know, it mm-hmm. seems to me that there's so many more of them lately and that it's a, it's, it could potentially be sort of a resurgence of, of the radio industry. I mean, do you have, have you given a lot of thought to that? Some. Um, there was a lot of um, talk about it this year because there were some legal issues with um, with broadcasting music and um, the types of payment that you had to give to artists and to publishers. I won't go into too, too much detail there, but um, it really scared a lot of music stations online because uh, if this law had been adjusted or changed um, for with new royalty rates, it, it would have crippled most Internet radio stations. Um, 
It's the technology is definitely growing. I'm definitely, you know, hearing people like, you know, cool people or whatever talking more mm-hmm. about internet radio as an option the way that people did maybe five, ten years ago about satellite radio. Um, you know, that generally not a lot of commercials um, and internet radio. And plus, you can, you can really go after that niche of music that you want. You know, you can find something very specific and not have to hear 99 out of 100 songs that you don't like to find one that you like. Um, so I think it's poised to grow. I mean, whether um, these kind of stations can support themselves, I think, is, um, is questionable. But, um, you know, my station is dealing with that right now. We're trying to figure out how to, how to get support from advertisers without turning off our audience. Yeah. Well, although there's generally not a lot of um, commercials on Internet radio, how about we uh-huh. take a small break for a few and we'll be back right after this. <laughs> Sit tight and don't move. The Hook. We'll be back after this short break. Hey, this is Danny Sullivan from the Daily Searchcast. You know, we love bringing you the news every day, and that's made possible by the sponsorship of BruceClay.com. They've just made Inc. Magazine's list of the fastest-growing private businesses. They've exhibited and sponsored at my conferences from the very beginning. Bruce has got that long-standing search engine relationship chart, had been out there with the code of ethics, been a search engine expert in the field for ages. But did you know that Bruce Clay can do more than help you with just SEO? They can do PPC, web analytics, web design, marketing strategy, promotion, and branding. Everything you need for success in the online marketplace, you can check it out from the professionals at Bruce Clay Incorporated. For over 10 years, offices worldwide, they've got answers you need. Check them out today at BruceClay.com. Bruce Clay Incorporated. Are your domains working hard enough for you? Now, park your portfolio at RevenueDirect.com to maximize your earnings on traffic. With RevenueDirect's proven domain monetization service, you'll experience better payouts, more options, and smart optimization. Sign up free now at RevenueDirect.com. It's that easy. RevenueDirect. Make more money. Period. XY7.com. Do you have a website? XY7.com. Would you like to convert your clicks into cash? XY7.com. Is the affiliate network that pays you daily? XY7.com. Not all website clicks are the same, but they're all worth money. XY7.com. Join today and start earning cash now. XY7.com. Has guaranteed commissions. You'll get paid even if we don't. Go to XY7.com now. Convert your website clicks to cash. It's time to do your thing, affiliate thing. Hey, Lisa, I just hit the mailbox and got the new revenue. You did? Well, that's great. It's very exciting, isn't it? Yeah, it looks like you went to Glamour Shots for your editor's page picture. Oh, come on. Don't make fun of me. My other picture was really old. It it wasn't a Glamour Shots. I'm sorry that I don't have a cartoon picture of myself that I put up everywhere like you. (laughs) Whatever. Don't try to talk trash. (laughs) Don't talk trash. You started it. Affiliate thing. Dig it. I broadcast Wednesdays at noon. Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, or on demand anytime inside the Affiliate Marketing Channel, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Learning how to monetize your domains, zero dollars. Listening to affiliate marketing tips on your iPod, zero dollars. Getting the latest search news on your cell phone, zero dollars. Listening to Dave N. talk about garlic breath, well, worthless. WebmasterRadio.fm, we're everywhere. Now back to The Hook. The intersection of advertising and PR. Only on webmasterradio.fm. Now, here's your host. 
Welcome back. I'm Katie Kemner, and I'm talking to Becky Ebenkamp, West Coast editor of Brand Week. Hello, Becky. Hola. So I was hoping we could talk a little bit about the new issue of Brand Week, the Guerrilla Marketers of the Year issue. I know that that's always been a baby of yours and something you've been very involved with. Mm-hmm. It just came out. So can we talk a little bit about Guerrilla Marketers and how you decide and who, who won this year? Uh, absolutely. Um, well, let's see. This year's issue, we try to put a different spin on it each year, you know, with a different style. This year we're very red. <laughs> it's very uh, you know, Russian-looking, Russian art-themed. But, um, you know, it's, it's interesting to me because, you know, especially with alternative marketing, it's always evolving. And so um, it's, you, have to, you really have to evolve to stand out in guerrilla marketing or whatever you want to call it because, you know, if you've done something that somebody's already done, it's not really guerrilla anymore. So it's, you know, it's a moving target. We're always trying to identify brands that are doing interesting things. This year, some of the brands we wrote about were Trader Vic's, uh, Scion, Coke Zero, let's see, who else, Vespa, and a very small clothing company called Robert Earl Couture, Nine Inch Nails, did a pretty interesting uh, online effort this year. Um, and we, you know, we just do a roundup. We try to find, you know, companies on different beats, both, um, brands that are big and small that, uh, are practitioners of, uh, this type of marketing. And, um, sometimes it's a, you know, it's a component of a much larger campaign. Other times, you know, it's a small brand that doesn't have a lot of money and they're, you know, pouring all the resources into guerrilla efforts. So they're having to think more creatively because they don't have the bucks to advertise. Well, you know, you, I think you made such a good point, which is that, you know, it's more and more difficult. I mean, with just consumers are so, everything, they're so oversaturated with, you know, in their face all the time, all different things, even things that are, you know, supposed to be sort of cool and different. And, you know, what do you think? I mean, is it, is it just so much harder these days to sort of rise to the surface? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, and then there's the line of, you know, you know, heard so much about media fragmentation and people not watching as much TV and, you know, TiVoing out the commercials. And so marketers are trying to get more into the real world. But, you know, as a consumer, I don't know if I like that. You know, as somebody who follows marketing, I find it interesting. And if I were a marketer, it would probably be the strategy I would go with. But, you know, there's, uh, there's this whole line that you don't want to cross. You don't want to annoy or bother people. You want to come across as something interesting that they'd want to see or, you know, chuckle at or, you know, whatever the reaction you're trying to get. Um, but it's, uh, you know, a lot of people consider it offensive. It's like the whole thing from the 60s with Lady Bird Johnson trying to get the uh, the billboards off the highways, you know. This is, you know, my kids don't need to see this. You know, well, advertising billboards when can be uh, visually unappealing. But do you think then that, you know, the future is more to, more sort of opt-in advertising where, you know, as a consumer you're saying, okay, I get it, you know, you want to talk with me, this is interesting enough, I'm going to log onto your website and talk with you for a while or... Definitely, definitely. And, you know, I mean, again, cliche, but interactive, you know, interactivity is, is so important in engaging people because, you know, when you show people an ad or, you know, people flip through a magazine, 
you know, I would say 90% of the time they're not really going to stop. They're not going to remember that it was your brand. You know, if you're actually involved in something, you know, engaging your brain in that way, there's more of a chance that um, that you're going to take more away from it. Well, should we talk about some of the guerrilla marketing campaigns at one? Sure. Mm-hmm. Let's see. I've got my magazine right here. Um, oh, actually, and I should probably say I did a um, I did a feature on I tried some uh, I tried to be a guerrilla marketer myself for the story. <laughs> I did a really? story on, on how badly, I, <laughs> you know how how badly I you know um, guerrilla marketed. But, uh, well, what did you do? What did I do? Yeah, um, I, I tried some different some stunts for the radio station that I work with. Um, we tried a, a PR stunt where we got a monkey to <laughs> to paint a portrait of the monkeys, and we tried to create this public outcry because the monkeys are not in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Uh, we did a program from uh, where we played makeout music and we gave out free condoms and encouraged people to write in and tell us what their favorite makeout songs were, and we did a viral vi- yeah, a viral video at a site called Moly.com, which is um, like a you know social networking site. And but anyways, uh, it was a very fun project. Um, you know, some of them did better than others, but we really realized that you know you hear this so much that you know a lot of guerrilla marketing is you know you're going to make up for you know the low budget by the amount of work you put into the program. And I think we realized we didn't really have what it takes, you know, uh, to uh, to do that much work. <laughs> the agencies did a great job that we worked with. But, uh, was it a, was it a real monkey that was painting? Yeah, a chimp. The a oldest real chimp. chimp in the world, cheetah. Well, gee, if that, um, we, we if that didn't draw the people in, then I don't think anything will. <laughs> we provided cheetah with a stencil of the monkeys, and then he kind of finger painted over. <laughs> But I mean, you raise an excellent point that you know it's just it, it it's interesting that there are certain you know you can do as much research as you want, although perhaps in this particular case you didn't because you were just testing things out. But come, but you know agencies that do a ton and ton of research. Sometimes you're going to hit it, and sometimes you're not. And there's so many factors that go into that. Yeah. What's going on right now in the world? What people are finding interesting? What you know? What's happening politically? Sometimes not. You know, sometimes the factors are deeper and sometimes they're not that you really don't know what's going to hit. Yeah, and you have to be ready to roll with the punches. Sometimes timing is just bad. You're going out there, you know, with this plan and you want to execute something. Um, For us, in fact, uh, one of the things that happened was this one week we're going out with our big PR campaign. It was like the week of the Malibu fires, (laughs) you know, and uh, nobody wanted to write about a monkey. Right. As compelling as that may be. <laughs> yes. I mean, I would have wanted to read that, but not not most Californians, at least. So what was your favorite one, then, in all of these, besides the monkey painting monkey? Let's see. Um, I liked, like, picking your favorite child here. Um, the one I liked, but although it's very mysterious and we didn't um, find out it, Really, whether it was successful or not, was the um, the Nine Inch Nails um, program, which was this very mysterious website or series of websites. Um, I wouldn't even try to go into it because it would take up your whole show. But um, you know, it involved clues and you know backwards writing on the back of people's T-shirts, and then you added dot com to that and went to this website and there was this whole conspiracy it's this futuristic idea that's behind the concept of the album and um 
it's very much like something out of the TV show Lost. And um, I thought it was unique for, for a music brand to do that. We've seen, you know, with films and maybe other types of entertainment, these types of efforts where, you know, uh, somebody comes up with this big convoluted campaign to, mm-hmm. to pre-market something. But I hadn't really seen it um, with an album. So I thought that was interesting. Now, are you still a big fan of Lost? I am, but I'm trying to uh, lower my expectations because <laughs> with the strike, um, apparently I'm only getting half a season this year. You're only getting half a season. Yeah, and apparently it ends with a cliffhanger. So um, that's a little upsetting. Um, I, I have my favorite shows, my stories, and, uh, Lost, and, is and Lost is one of them. All my news programs, such as The Daily Show and The Colbert Report, are suffering. Yeah. Well, do you have any opinions on what's going to happen on that? or With the strike? Yeah. Not really, although I do get a press release about every 20 minutes from the writers. <laughs> Guild, um, with, you know, the latest update. And so, well, again, I think when you're over-marketed to, you tend to sort of see through it. It just becomes invisible to you. But, yeah. Uh, I get tons of updates, so I'm sure if anything happens, I'm going to know immediately. Well, I'm a, I think it's I'm a fan, just out. for the record, of uh, getting rid of press releases altogether. You, what? Do you think that's a good idea? I think it's a great idea. I think press. I don't think. I think a lot of people are like you. They're so jaded. Even I mean, when they get a press release, they barely read it. I think. I think press releases have very limited appeal anymore, and there's so much better ways to. Uh, to get out what you have mm-hmm. to say. I'm not talking about, like, investor relations or that kind of thing. But, you know, I think the days of, you know, doing anything like in advertising and sending out a release are over. Yeah. Um, well, what I'd like to see is maybe an evolution to uh, press release haikus. Three lines, <laughs> sum it up, <laughs> tell me what it is, why it's important. And, you know, a lot of the press releases I get just go on and on. They're too long. And I know publicists really stress over every single word and getting it just right. But the bottom line is, you know, if that first couple sentences or even the subject line in an email is not interesting or it's not news to me or it's not on my beat, which is a lot of times I get things misdirected to me, um, I'm just not going to read on. I'm not going to print it out. I'm not going to waste the paper. Um, so if, if I'm interested, I'm going to call right back. Um, I don't need a follow-up phone call. <laughs> that's, uh, that's a no-no. <laughs> and, oh, the other thing that I'm sure a lot of journalists don't like, and we at the magazine especially don't like, is when we all get the exact same press release. <laughs> yeah. Especially when it's uh, mentioned as an exclusive. <laughs> to each <laughs> one at Brand Week. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and, and 10 megabyte files attached to press releases are an automatic <laughs> deal breaker. <laughs> So is there anything else that you really hate? So you also hate the phone call. A lot of a lot of journalists say that they say like if you sent me something, don't follow up with me. If I'm interested, I'll call you. Generally, although you know there are times when stuff goes you know uh, unexpectedly into the the, the spam folder, and I try to look through that once a day to fish stuff out because sometimes you really don't get a release. But generally, when a publicist is calling you, you know it's because you know they know you got the release. They just you know they just want to try to try to get you that one more time and you know um it's well i i think it it doesn't help your case certainly especially if then you talk for two minutes and tell me the whole press release over the phone 
Well, tell me then, if there's one piece of advice that you could give to people that are listening that want to get in touch with you or want to get in touch with the journalist, the way that they could really do it right, mm-hmm. what would it be? Um, first of all, do it through email. Mm-hmm. My email address is bebenkamp at brandweek.com. I'm also accessible through uh, Brandweek's website, which is www.brandweek.com. And I would just say, you know, market yourself um, in a good way. It, you know, it's all, all open, an email with an intriguing subject line. If you put Brandweek in it, not as interested. If you put, you know, leading technology turnkey solution, you know, a bunch of marketing jargon, I'm probably not going to open it or I'm gonna, it's going to be at the bottom of the barrel. You know, put something interesting or funny or, you know, relevant to pop culture in your title, and I'll be more intrigued to look at. I can't say that's the same for all journalists, but, um, you know, and if you're referring to, if you're, you know, replying to something that I mentioned in my blog, say, you know, your blog or X-Files, because then I'll realize that, um, you know, that it's something pertinent. Mm-hmm. You know, okay, well, there we have it. Now, can I ask you, would you come it? back and talk to us again after your blog's been up for a while, and we can talk about how it's going? I would love to. Perfect. Perfect. Well, Becky, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks, Katie. It's always fun. Okay, I'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Okay, bye. Okay, bye-bye. That's all that we have time for, so join me uh, next week for another episode of The Hook. Bye-bye.